0: Mental health can be a difficult topic to talk about. I'd like to change that. I'm Marcus Pipworth, and welcome to the Ministry of Change podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Ministry of Change podcast. Or just plain welcome if this is your first time. Um, Apologies if my voice sounds a bit bunged up and croaky. I'm on the tail end of a cold. But hopefully it will be gone in a few days. It's been going on for too long um these past few weeks i've been all over the place Uh, and i mean that geographically mainly um a bit in my head as well i guess but um i spent a weekend in derby um a few weeks ago with an organization called calm people they invited me down to a weekend workshop they were running there um exploring relationships to anger and that was really interesting it was quite sort of deep emotional work but i definitely uncovered quite a lot of things about myself and my relationship to anger and other emotions. And then after that, I headed off down to Cornwall. Uh, essentially a few weeks ago, I'd been, had the chance to take part in, a, in one karate class and I really liked it. And I'd heard quite a few people sharing how the discipline of martial arts has helped them through difficulties with their mental health. So I was interested to find out more. Um, my friend, Max and John invited me down to Cornwall so that he could share with me some of his Qigong practice. Um, Max has been practising Qigong for a number of years. I knew that, but I didn't really know how, much about it really until I got there. Um, I knew Qigong had its roots in Taoism. Uh, I love Taoism, so that appealed to me. And I was—I knew it was about connecting with natural flow and the flow of nature through movement. But apart from that, I was pretty clueless. So anyway, I spent four days in Beude staying with Max and his lovely family. And over those few days, we spent a couple of hours each day practicing qigong. When the weather was nice, we practiced in the field out the back of his house. Uh, Once when the weather was was borderline nice, we went to the beach and had a very windy qigong session. And then other times when the weather was awful, we went into his... um, garage which he's converted into a nice little qigong studio and we did some practice there and it was really nice to get into this practice which was very new to me and i'd love to continue doing some more of that and then the rest of the time we spent walking talking eating and building lego with max's two boys which was really fun Uh, i've worked with max a number of times Uh, we've done work around hosting conversations and creating spaces for people to talk and I've also participated in a few workshops he's run uh one of them was on exploring my relationship to money oh, that was so powerful I still think about that all the time um yeah it was scary um and then another one looking at uh non communication and that also stayed with me and I, I, I still use a lot of the stuff I learned from that that day now um, I always love chatting with Max um I think there was a thousand conversations I could have recorded with him, but um, I didn't think you'd want to listen to me and Max banging on for hours and hours on end. So uh, what I did do, I sat down with him on my last evening there and recorded this short conversation um, around um, around Max's own experiences with mental health, his own mental health, um, how Qigong and other martial arts practices helped him through that touch on a bit of Eastern philosophy and also a lot about how to listen to your own body. Um, I think it's a really interesting conversation and I hope you get something out of it. I'll come back and have a chat with you at the end.
1: Well, I guess I've got a pretty rich and long relationship with both martial arts and mental health. So I've been into martial arts ever since I was a little boy. I spent a few years in Hong Kong when I was really little, and it had a really big impact on me. Um, So I have some very strong memories and parts of my identity that I wrapped up in that time. And uh, it was sort of the heyday or coming to the the end of the heyday of the sort of early Kung Fu movies, Shaw Brothers and... um, all that and I, I saw people shooting kung fu movies, and I was immediately taken by it. And then, as I got older, we moved back to the UK. I got the opportunity to take up karate in the way that sort of you know small people are by their parents who want them to have a hobby. And um, with the usual tradition of that pattern, I hated it after about three months, and they made me go for another couple of years. God bless them. Um, And then, as I got older, I did kickboxing, and then when I went to university, I found a really great Kung Fu teacher, and um, I really invested myself in that, and it kind of kept me steady throughout my years at university, where I probably wasn't looking after myself, to put it mildly. Um, And without realising it at the time, looking back, I was probably suffering from um, quite significant periods of depression at the time, um, and self-medicating, as young people do with uh, alcohol and stuff um, and then shortly after I finished uni I came, to, came back to London so I was up in the north and um, I um, I was working for a big London company massive global media firm it was my first proper proper job so it was about 3 or 4 years after leaving uni I was at this place for a couple of years I just had them. Um, uh, like a terrifying experience around my mental health. I, I felt kind of out of control of my my thoughts, my thinking. I felt really scared by the things that were coming into my head. I had sort of no idea about um, who to talk to. I had um, no sense that it was okay to talk to anybody. I was terrified of telling anyone about it. Um, and, and, yeah, it kind of broke me, like really fucked my life up for quite a while. Um, I finally... Realised that that's what counselling and therapy was for, and I had a therapy session. This was after being signed off work for two weeks, um, but it's kind of the next three or four years we're really trying to understand what had happened um, and understand what was going on with me or for me. How old were you when that that sort of happened? I was like in my mid twenties. It must have been twenty three, twenty four. So yeah, it was just it's under the pressure of work, like being working a really dysfunctional post.com bubble burst global media company that was just really fucked in so many ways um, and under enormous pressure to deliver sales targets and um, a lot of conflict around the, the workplace and then a lot of stuff going on in my personal life and it all sort of came together and I think it because I was I had continued to kind of self-medicate with distraction techniques like booze Um that uh, there was a, uh, just a day at which uh, I couldn't, couldn't stand up any longer. So I just kind of collapsed. Um, but yeah, when we decided to move to Brighton at the time because we thought, you know, uh, change the scene. Um, I thought I'd try and find a job with a smaller company, um, which I did. But um, typically with that phrase, what is it? Uh, everywhere you go, there you are. Um, we made the move. I found a, a job with a smaller company and I was just as... Yeah, almost just as unhappy and struggling with myself. And... Um, and then, yeah, I, I think after a while I, I got into counselling therapy properly. Spent um, six months seeing somebody and felt a kind of significant change in myself. And um, took a break from that because at the time I thought you only saw a counsellor therapist because you were broken and you needed fixing. And so I wanted to stop it as soon as I could because that would mean that I wasn't broken anymore. Um... And, you know, typically it was years yeah, following that where I continued to experience difficulty, stress and anxiety. And then just found found new counsellor, found family therapist, the one that I, I recently f- finished working with before we moved to Cornwall. I'd been saved for three or four years because there was a point at which, because I'd had a bit of a, a feeling that um, I was experiencing some difficulty. So I went to see them. I saw them for about six months and I was going to stop and then I was talking to a friend who's a counsellor and a therapist and they get the supervision and she was ending her practice but continuing to go and seeing uh, the person who's giving her supervision and I asked her why and she said, well, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you go and find some space to talk about yourself and what's going on to somebody who's not judging you? I was like, oh yeah. So I just kept up as long as I could afford it, kind of varying the frequency depending on what was going on for me. Um, The martial arts thing there's there's a link there um i think you know when i was a little boy i was into it because it was just f- fun energy color excitement flamboyant jumping around shouting and then as a young man it became a way of um trying to shore myself up in uh in a world where i didn't feel confident uh, i was never into football i was never one of the tough guys and um, I was clever but not one of the cleverest Um, and it was a way of feeling safe because I could convince myself that I was tougher, I had just kind of secret weapons Um, and it it kind of, it was a way of it kind of made me it was a way of separating myself from other people as well I think Um, because it uh, it was a, a f- almost a front that I could put on, or a, a, sh- a black little suit of armour, invisible suit of armour that I was wearing. Um, you know, I, at one point I became a, a doorman. Well, I'd done my black belt in kung fu at university, and I decided to get a job on the door. You know, I told everyone it was because I wanted to earn a bit more money than standing by the bar, but really I just wanted to prove something—prove that I was tough enough. Um, and then when we moved to Brighton, and I stopped training martial arts i took up boxing at the amateur boxing club because it was in the roughest area of town um in a basement of a block of flats and again i just wanted to prove something to myself i'm not sure what that i was tough enough i was good enough um and the, i've always been interested in internal martial arts chinese internal martial arts but wasn't really sure why sort of when i was much younger it was because they held this sort of mystic mystique this kind of promise of internal power. It's like the the stuff in the movies where the guy shift, wiggles his eyebrow and someone flies across the room. Sort of. yeah.
2: Have you learnt that one yet? I haven't learnt that one yet. No. I think it's next. Okay, I think it's good. the next.
1: Um, but then I uh, and I tried Tai Chi. I tried I tried to find a good Tai Chi teacher and I did find a, a pretty good one. If I could nick, he's, he's a really nice guy. But I never really found quite what I was looking for. It was always felt like I was learning a pattern and learning a form, which is you get in a lot of sort of martial arts. And I found these, I was having coffee one morning in Brighton, and there was this group of people who turned up outside, sat down, and they were talking. And I, I just knew they had done something that I would be interested in the way they were talking and the way they were sort of moving and showing each other stuff. So I went out and just walked straight up to them and said, So, what have you been doing? And they explained that they'd been practicing Jigong and Bagua and Qingyi, these martial arts, and that I kind of had heard of. And they said, you know, so I had to find out more and see what you think. And that afternoon, checked the website, emailed the guy and said, yeah, "I want to come along." And that was that was it. Um, I've been doing that for now five years. Um, and I, again, I started because it was like, oh yeah, authentic, true internal martial arts. Still not quite sure exactly what it was I was seeing, but it was about the martial arts. It was about the the, the combat aspect. And the more I did it, the more I realised that it was about um, understanding self. It was about, um, I don't know, it was like embodying. For a while I got into mindfulness and meditation and, you know, a lot of the sort of pseudo business, psychology, hippie stuff that we're in, like art of hosting and sort of thinking about ecosystems rather than hierarchies and all that. And... I realised that this practice was a real sort of way of really being in that fully, like in the body. Um, It was really about letting go of all of the tension and uh, the things I didn't need in order to do what I wanted to do or be what I wanted to be. In fact, letting go of the need to be anything or do anything. And... There's just something so liberating about that.
2: How would you describe qigong to someone that has never heard of it before?
1: <laughs> I've been tra- so I started teaching down here. Um, I was helping out in the Brighton school, and I started teaching classes down here. And so I have to explain it quite a lot, and I'm not sure I've found the best way yet. But I, the way I describe it is um, qigong. Qigong is often taught as a set of forms or patterns which are about um, uh, which are healing or health practices, um, about working, activating, looking after different organs of the body. Um, it's it, We're working with the, the tendons and the fascia, these parts of the body that we don't think about working with in the movements that we we, we do. Um, but uh, really qigong, qigong in our School is, is almost like um, it's a container for another piece of work or practice called Naegung. So Qigong literally translated means something like energy skill and um is uh, inner skill. So with Qigong you might see people practicing things like the five animals which are a set of forms, methods that imitate the movements of five animals, the crane, the tiger, the deer, the bear and the monkey. Um, and all of those animals have different characteristics and it can be prescribed along with um, other sort of holistic health practices to deal with different ailments, physical and emotional. But Nagong is uh, a much more simple and deeper skill, which is the the art of uh, creating space in the body to make new connections. So working with the breath, working with stillness, working with um, opening up, releasing tension and spaces in the body so we can build a um build a strong, stronger inverted commas, structure but one within which we can move more naturally more freely. So they can look at, at like quite repetitive movements. We might be sort of slight standing up and sitting down and moving our arms around. Um but in there is a very slow long term practice of Understanding and connecting our body to more parts of itself, and what I've found from it is that um, the understanding that so much of who I am, or rather how I am, is wrapped up in in how my body is. So this really clear sense that I'm so much more than my my brain, my mind. Um, I'm the my my state of being, the way I think about myself, the way I act in the world, is also so much wrapped in how I move and the tension in my body um, yeah and so there's this wonderful part of it which is about you know looking after your health and your well-being but also becoming it sounds a bit sort of woo-woo or a bit difficult to understand but becoming more of yourself by letting go of things that you don't need to be carrying around with you
2: yeah um, well I think that's one of the things that really appealed to me about it when um uh, from what I'd seen, uh, heard of you talk about it is that, um, that idea that it sort of has this ability to take you out of your mind a bit mm-hmm. and, and realize that the yeah, like you're not your thoughts, the mind is not sort of the be all and end all of everything. And actually, a lot of what we experience is very, um, is based on our body and we can listen to our bodies. And, um, and I think that's generally something that we're not what well, I'd personally didn't experience as I was growing up I thought it was all about the mind and how clever are you how good at exams are you how how uh sort of how much more intelligent than someone else I I didn't realize that intelligence comes in many forms I thought intelligence was a very mind-based thing but there's all different forms of intelligence which I had no concept of
1: yeah, and I guess you know, the 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 flip side of that is the it's not about how clever you are; it's how strong and fit you are, right? So we think the mind is something that's about honing, sharpening, about logic, rational thinking, or creativity, and the body is something about optimizing, you know, our, optimizing our diet, doing the the, the ultimate high intensity exercise, or you know, it brings me back to martial arts. Um, my relationship with martial arts with um, combat martial arts was was about really about burying and shoring up male trauma. you know it was about how much stronger can I get in order to hold on to that sense of insecurity that i'm I'm hiding from by trying to get and feel stronger and stronger and stronger and tougher and tougher and tougher, and tougher rather than and what's most challenging about the practice I do now is it's trying to let go of all that and trying to tell the self the mind the body that actually that that's not what keeps us safe uh, uh, what keeps us safe is learning that we we were safe all along um, and and yeah like that that sense of the mind and the body being totally interconnected and interdependent and you know we we're becoming more aware of that i think through science because science tells us everything of course and um, and I say it in that voice because I think, like more and more, the scientists that I respect or the science I see treats the world as something as uh, a sort of marvellous unknown that we're trying to understand, rather than that we everything is measurable and we have all the answers. But so the point of that is, like, um, we understand that the heart and the gut um, contain neurons, neurons which. Um, store memories which send, constantly transmit information backwards and forwards to the brain or nervous system. and um, We know that, uh, that uh, stress and anxiety is not just an emotional or sort of... It's not just a brain thing, it's a heart and a gut thing, you know. It's like telling us things that we need to know about our body and our body telling us stuff we need to know about our feelings and our thoughts. And that um but that's why practices where we have to just be in our bodies and try and let go of some of that stuff can be really scary. Like I won't pretend for a second that I've I always have a great time doing what I do. I go on these three or four day workshops or retreats and sometimes it can be like incredibly calming and expansive and um yeah, you just come out of it feeling just open and clear and then sometimes like you'll be letting go of something that clearly was holding some difficulty and i can be full of self-loathing and um confusion and yeah it can be but then the whole practice is allowing everything it's just allowing that to be there rather than judging it and holding on to it and chewing on it like i used to well, i
2: think that's really interesting because i i, I new to this but I've done mindfulness and meditation Mm. for quite a long time and I think I often come up and probably I went into it with this view that meditation was about peace and sitting quietly (laughs) and like reaching this higher plane of serenity and actually sometimes that does happen but often it is it it can be quite a traumatic experience and often leave feeling Way more sort of stirred up and anguished than what I had because yeah, yeah, it's that process of sort of going inside and letting go and discovering things which you don't want to discover necessarily, but you need to discover, and it's and it can be difficult. And I think that's um, I guess it's a misconception, but it's but I think that's the that that's the important stuff because that's the stuff you need to dig out yeah before you have any chance of possibly even getting. To a different place, but... Yeah.
1: And I guess, you know, the where it gets most challenging is that at the heart of it, it's saying that there's literally nowhere to go. Like, Mm. you're always home. Yeah. Um, And it's just a lack of willingness to accept and allow everything that's there that that leaves you feeling further away from home or ground or safety. I love that, you're always home. Yeah, Yeah, you're always home, yeah. And it doesn't feel like that. You know, I still... I still, you know, I will notice tension in my body. I will have that edgy feeling. And in the past, that would have led me to think, oh, no, here we go. Oh, yeah, there's something wrong. And then that would trigger a, a judging thought and a and a worry and an anxiety, and that would feed the anxiety, and that would feed the anxiety, and downward spiral. And now these days, I, I experience some of the same feelings in my body, but I don't tell the same story. And when I have... Um, when I when I have the awareness and the yeah the attention I I can just let it be there or even just let it go. Like um we were talking the other night and I was saying that I was having this experience where there was an old pattern in a relationship that I have and you know I hadn't had a phone call and I didn't know where they were and um I felt that sort of rising knot in my stomach and I could there was an accompanying thought. And it was a really old Feeling something I recognized, and I realized it was one of those times where I realized that I just I don't have to have this, and I could just let it go and let the feeling go and let the tension go and drop it down through the body. Let that thought be there, but let it do its own thing and wander off. and And it's like um, it's like clouds lifting, it's like coming out of a trance. And it's I'd love to say that I could do that every time I'm triggered. And it's not, it's not true. Um, but then that is also part of just being me and being here and being alive. So, you know, I can argue with it. Every time you argue with reality, you lose. You yeah. know? <laughs> I really love that. So, yeah.
2: Hmm. Well, I think that's really good. We, we, we talked about this as well, that, that the idea that um, I certainly had in the past that, you needed to feel sort of better you need to sort of get there, there was positive emotions there were negative emotions yeah. you need to focus on them and i think it's that sort of well, i'm realizing more and more is, is, is how ridiculous that is and that all the uh all the emotions that we feel all the things we feel in our body they're signposts somewhere else so we yeah. need to sort of listen to them and um yeah i mean i think it's it seems quite obvious once you Sort of start looking into it, but it's hard to do.
1: It it is, Uh, and then there's also a paradox as well because I, I I feel I feel very similar to you. I used to think that, um, I used to think very clearly that you know every bit of difficulty or, or or challenging thought or trough emotional trough I would slip into was a signpost is something that I had to work out and I had to understand where it came from and talk it out or uncover it. Um, and I think again, the more I do this practice, the more I know that, um, like you can't put words to that stuff. There is no root cause. There's yeah. no way of working it out and in inverted commas and finding the root. of, you know, whatever it is, it's, We're multifaceted, complex, irrational things that are navigating the world through a fog of our own past history. Um, And and also anything worth experiencing is beyond words, almost. Um, And that's not to say, like, it's not enjoyable trying sometimes, but it's like, again, to me, it brings me back to, like, it's just whatever it is, is just happening. And and that's all
2: it is. This is what I said to you earlier on the beach. It's, 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 it's annoying talking to you because every time I think I'm getting close to something, you go and rip it up and show yeah. me that show, show me that there's another level below it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's pretty fucking annoying, isn't it? But and I mean, I'll probably
2: just about get to what you think now, and then as I am um, managing to absorb it, you'll tell me, "Oh, I've gone a level deeper." And <laughs> yeah.
1: it's one, it's a, it's like a, a really <laughs> subtle one-upmanship. No, it's not intended to be
2: like that. Not <laughs> <was but> joking, <laughs> but no, it is. No, I think it's that's why I love it. I think it's really important just to keep on learning and keep on exploring, yeah. and realise that at the end of the day, we didn't need to learn anything. No, because... there's
1: nothing to learn, and yet there's everything <laughs> to learn. And that's what we love about that Taoist philosophy. Is like it is the epitome of sort of a non dual way of thinking in inverted commas about the world it's just like everything is everything is that Stevie Wonder? I'm not sure <laughs> one of the greatest, greatest philosophers but it was the, the first one of the Tao Te Ching um, the the true Tao the is the Da that we cannot be named and it's like oh, well, what the fuck is that about and all it's saying is like um, you can uh, you can you can eat an orange and try and tell somebody about the orange but however you choose to describe it they won't ever get the experience of tasting that orange, you know, the, the tang of the juice and the feeling of, like, um, biting into the soft flesh, you know. And and it's just, it's no, no more complicated than that. But it also means that everything I say is bollocks.
2: <laughs> well, that's good to know. Because <laughs> everything I say is bollocks as well. Probably everything <laughs> most people say is bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's uh, what you've got to remember. But, yeah.
1: But. Well, and in, in all seriousness, like, um, so I'm teaching this, this course you know the healthy thing. um i see i narrowly swerved uh, plugging it in. um but it's the, all right you can say that no, right, i don't i don't need to um, the um it's really brought home that thing like um, all communic all uh, you know everything like everything is communication but it's not necessarily you don't necessarily have to pay attention to what people are saying because whatever they're trying to express is something that's you know way down here um and even when they think they're trying to say it it's sort of shared through the filter of their own experience and judgment of you and and everything around them based on you know their past history and conditioning and old trauma so you know that's been really helpful to to hold in mind when I'm dealing with challenge and conflict and difficulties rather than focus on what are they saying about me to me um, it's like understanding that what they're trying to express is something else altogether different, um, and trying to tune into that instead. What's going on in their body? What might they be feeling? Um, yeah, what is whatever it is, however violent or challenging or difficult to understand. Like, what is it a reflection of? Rather than focusing on the the meaning that you supposedly could make from it. I don't know how I got onto that. Anyway.
2: No, I don't think it's interesting,
1: but and do you think the same
2: apply to so the same applies to you when you're talking to people
1: yeah, and I can feel it you know um I might be talking to somebody about something, and I know no matter what my words are I'll know whether I'm saying it because part of you know my ego wants to make sure that they know that I'm clever uh, and um that they should think that I'm special and important um or I know that at some level I want some empathy or some sympathy um, so however I express my words if I'm aware and if I'm observing myself I can also be tuned into my intention You know, and again that that links back to the stuff that we practice so we talked about enabling this inner skill this connecting to more parts of ourselves yeah. learning how the feet and the hands work together and how these different spaces in our body can open up and allow us to move more naturally and the qigong which is these sort of health practices and forms Then we practice these two martial arts Xing Yi and Bagua that we were talking about earlier and Xing Yi literally translates it means mind intent or mind uh, mind form um, and the so Xing Yi Chan mind form boxing mind form face and um, it's really about manifesting your intent in the world. So um, it's a martial art. So it's about creating form with the body, but creating form from your your inner intention. So which is why we spend time standing, doing the standing practice on this meditation, because we're, we're... that, And that's why the self-development and the self-understanding piece is so important, because it's about um, cultivating... The right uh, inverted commas intention, um, and that's why I kind of really enjoy and respect it as a martial arts. It's not simply skipping to how do we hurt, how do we control, how do we kill. It's about first working with self and intention, and then finding way of manifesting that with our body, and then that inevitably somehow um, translates into the rest of your life. I can't quite explain that, but there's something about practicing that. You know, as a regular practice, it's a long-term practice that somehow kind of manifests in other parts of your life, having a clearer intention that's not about the head and thought.
2: Yeah. Well, I can see how that could definitely be really beneficial when thinking about mental health, because my experience with that is... I guess, like, I haven't fully worked out, but I know a lot of my sort of experience with depression came from that sort of not really having... The intention, or knowing what my intentions were, and and feeling constantly like oh, like I'm sort of lost, but I should be doing this, I should be Mm. doing that, I should be this person, I should be like doing what that person's doing, and like and not really ever be able to connect to myself, and just feeling like I was of sort of untethered, but sort of like floating Mm. around. Not unt. I think untethered can be a good thing, but like I think that was more. Sort of this manic, sort of oh my god, I don't know what's happening, for years, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I think uh, having some sort of practice that can help you sort of ground yourself and move away from the yeah, what's happening in your mind and, and and sort of be able to see what your intention for the world could be then, or for for your for life, or or just mm. for that moment is, I think is a, I think that's. Could be could be quite a transformative
1: experience. I found it I found it so I think you know, I think a lot of mental health issues are directly linked to the the pace of sort of modern life and our culture and our society, which is about more and better and faster and and even in these sort of worlds of mindfulness and self development it becomes about more and more and more how, how much more of myself can I be um, you know, what's the next course that I can go on that will help me realise my full ultimate potential um, and it's this sort of yeah, it's it can be self-defeating and I think what I really enjoy about the practice that I have but any practice that sort of follows the same um, intention is that it's about just showing up just every day just showing up and doing the work is one of my teachers, or my my teacher in this practice, is like chop wood, carry water. Um, you show up, do the work. Show up, do the work. You're not trying to get anywhere, but as a result, you'll get wherever you need to go. Um, but we're so convinced that we should somehow, you know, have clarity on our direction and our goals, and a plan to get there, or some certainty that we will, and that. And that, you know, it's that whole thing about attachment in yeah. Buddhism, the moment we attach ourselves to anything and we're setting ourselves up for suffering.
2: I've literally only just understood the chop wood carry water thing. I, I know you tried to explain it to me multiple times and I sort of thought I had it, but I just realised in the context you used it there, I suddenly, yeah, suddenly made, yeah. I suddenly understood it. Nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it is yeah. And, and it'll probably mean something else to you in like two years or three years that's yeah. the nature of these probably means
2: something completely different to what you think but I
1: yeah find you back on the farm chopping wood and carrying water literally but it is yeah, it's about it's just showing up doing the work showing up doing the work not trying to get anywhere you're doing it because that's what you're doing and wherever you need to get to that's where you end up because you're showing up and you're doing the work and I really enjoy that and I lose sight of it all the time
0: Again, thanks, Max, for sharing his experiences and giving so much of his time to me to share his Qigong practice. I think even spending such a short t- time learning some of the basics around Qigong really connected with me. I think there's something beautiful about the ability of that practice to sort of ground me. There's, there's something that seems timeless about it, something that seems to contain the seeds of really deep inner growth. Um it shows that there's a different way of connecting to the world and really letting go of this idea of the separation of the mind and the body, but also of really letting go of this idea of the separation of the body and its environment. Uh, I definitely want to carry on practicing Qigong and learn a little bit more about it. If you want to find out more about what Max is up to, take a look at his website, which is www.beingwildthings.com. Um, qigong is just the tip of the iceberg, really. If you're interested in self development, non violent communication, and human needs, uh, participatory, participatory leadership, self management, the list goes on. I think Max is just someone yeah to get in contact with. He's a very interesting guy. Um, And then to find out more about my journey around the UK exploring mental health with Ministry of Change, check out my website, which is www.theministryofchange.org, where you can find links to my blog, uh, my new vlog section. I just recorded a mini documentary, (laughs) I say documentary in the loosest sense of the word, about my trip to... Reclaim St. Ives from Memories of Depression, which is on my website. You can have a look at it, and then also links to my other social media platforms as well. Oh, and I've also got a Ministry of Change email at long last, which is Marcus at the Ministry of Change dot org. So do get in touch with me regarding the podcast. Uh, your own experiences with mental health or anything else really Uh, i'm traveling around in my van so i'm always looking for a nice place to park up a friendly face and the chance to grab a shower so please do get in contact with me um and i will be back again shortly thank you goodbye